the Word of God. I'm not sure how I want to do this today. This is a little bit different. I used to preach like this a lot when I first started preaching. Um, and what the preaching that I'm going to do um, is, is this morning is called expository preaching. I know you probably never heard that before, but just letting you into something. An expository preaching is preaching an entire text line upon line and preaching the text that way. When I started preaching as a young preacher, I did that a whole lot. I would take a, 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 a portion of scripture and just preach that portion of scripture. I wouldn't go any place else in the Bible. I would just stay right in that portion of scripture and preach line upon line. And that's what I'm going to do this morning. So I haven't done that in a long time. I started thinking, I said, man, when, when was the last time that I do that? And I, I couldn't even remember. I just said, all right, well, you know, the Lord has a way of preparing you for everything that he wants you to do. And so by the time you get to it, you are already prepared. So we are going to go to the book of Matthew. Amen. Matthew chapter 2. Hallelujah. Amen. Still excited about what the Lord is doing here this morning and all of you that are here. Just excited to see all your faces. Thank you, Jesus. Matthew chapter 2, we'll begin in verse 1. Verse 1 says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem, Judah, in the days of Herod the king, behold, there came wise men. Somebody say wise men. From the east to Jerusalem, saying, Where is he that is born king of the Jews? For we have seen his star in the east and are come to worship him. When Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and the scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. And they said unto him, In Bethlehem of Judah, for thus it is written by the prophet, And thou Bethlehem in the land of Judah art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently that what time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search diligently for the young child. And when you have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. When they had heard the king, they departed. And lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. And when they were come into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worshipped him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented unto him gifts, gold and frankincense and myrrh. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. Father, we love you. You're so wonderful. You're so kind. You're so good to us. We thank you, Lord Jesus, for being the Savior, for being our Deliverer, 
for being our keeper. Today, Lord God, let your people experience your love one more time. Let them experience your tenderness. Let them experience your touch, your power, your graciousness. And I pray, Lord God, that none will leave this place today without a true experience with you. Lord, we pray your blessing upon this service. I pray that you will allow me to be your instrument and vessel, your conduit that you may work through. We love you, Jesus. We're so glad to be here. We're thankful to be among each other. And we are so glad that we are gathered in the name of Jesus Christ. For all these things we pray in Jesus' name. Somebody say amen. Amen. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Hallelujah. Today, I've entitled the message, Preparing to Meet Jesus. Preparing to Meet Jesus. Let me mess with you a little bit. You know, New Year is coming. And we like to do new things for the new year. We, we said, I'm going to go on this diet. We say, I'm going to be more faithful to God. We say, we're going to go to church more. Uh, I'm going to get a new job. Whatever. We make resolutions as to what we want to do in the upcoming year. And it is, it is, it, it is proven that over the years, when we make resolution, uh, probably about 90% of these resolutions are not kept. About 90%. You know why they're usually not kept? My opinion here is this. They're usually not kept because we didn't prepare for them. All we did was, New Year, I'm going to do something new. <laughs> Oh, yeah, I'm, I'm done doing it. I'm just going to do something new. Well, why are you still doing that? Well, as soon as the year starts, I will start doing it. And you start and you stop. I'll give you a little example of what I've discovered and I'm trying to do better. So I know over the holidays, we normally gain a little bit of weight. I heard somebody said it the other day. It made me feel good. They said, you know, I go holiday weight. Like, you know, we all gain a little extra, a few extra pounds during the holidays. Like, you just can't lie about that. You know you're going to eat a little better over the holidays. So just just know you're gaining weight and don't fuss with yourself. Just say holiday weight. Right. It's coming off after the holidays. Well, you know what I started this year just to be ahead of the game? I started going to the gym before the holidays. <laughs> and And, and. Those of you that will listen to your body and those of you that know about the body, once you start treating your body differently, it starts talking to you. You don't hear it literally, but it starts telling you, don't eat that. Yesterday I wanted pizza, but my body said, no pizza, Wayne. I really wanted some pizza. As a matter of fact, Jordan called me and said, Dad, can you give me some pizza? And I almost got a whole pie as opposed to a couple slices, but I didn't do it. If I was not exercising, I guarantee you. I would have gotten a whole pie, give him a couple of slices, and, well, he would have, we would have probably went half and half because he can eat a whole pie by himself probably. But, but the bottom line is this. You have to prepare for what's coming in order to effectively be successful at what you're trying to do. Preparation is key. And so we want to talk today about preparing to meet Jesus. And so we see the... The, 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 the writing in Matthew chapter 2, 
and verse 1 through 12. There's a lot going on here, and I'll explain a few things, and I'll just close it out at towards the end uh, just to kind of, you know, break everything, put everything back together as we begin to search through the scripture. In Matthew chapter 2, verse 1, the scripture says, Now when Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judah in the days of Herod the king, Behold, there came wise men from the east to Jerusalem. The first thing I want you to know about these wise men is they weren't like real Christian people. They weren't real believers. They were wise men that were instructed in the wisdom of the east. They studied all the different things in the Eastern culture. They, they, they were scholars according to the things that transpired in the Eastern culture. They learned the things about the Eastern culture, which if you're in the East, you realize how important biblical or religious information is, is a big part of the Eastern culture. So they studied all those things. That is why they knew about Jesus and him being born and the star, because they studied this kind of thing back then. And so those wise men were not real true believers, but they studied and their study proved that this would happen and they followed up on it. The wise men were astrologers. They were wise men uh, that went on a journey to find out about who this Jesus that was prophesied. They wanted to meet him. They wanted to know who he was. They wanted to meet who Jesus really is. This baby that was prophesied that would be born king of the Jews. They wanted to know who he is. And so they wanted to continue in their study. And they, they followed the star that says, he would be right where the star will stop. And so these wise men set out on a journey to find who Jesus is. Now, I will mess with you a little bit and say, these guys were not believers, but they were studiers. But they were seeking Jesus. Got to ask yourself, will you let these non-Christians outdo you in what you are supposed to be doing as a Christian. Because they weren't Christians, but they, they needed to know something. They said, if, if this baby that is supposed to be born king and Messiah is, is, is true, we need to see who he is. Sometimes you, when things are important, you have to let your curiosity and your knowledge drive you to get the total clarity and picture of what's going on, what you know about. And so they seeked out Jesus. Verse 2 says, saying, where is he that is born king of the Jews, for we have seen the star in the east and have come to worship him. That star, we don't have proof of how they were able to tell that star was different from all the other stars. But I will guess and venture out to say that star must have been brighter than all the other stars. So just picture these scholars, these astrologers that were studying the East. All of a sudden now they say, oh, because why? They were looking continually. They, they knew this prophecy of this baby Jesus, Messiah and King, that he was supposed to be born because that scripture was written all over the Bible. We read it this morning in Isaiah. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, 
prince of peace that was prophesied in the book of Isaiah that Jesus would be born, he would be Lord, he would be king, he would be governor, he would be ruler. So that was prophesied and they knew it. And so just think since then that word was being passed on. Keep looking out for the Messiah. And these are people that are looking out for the Messiah that weren't really followers of the Messiah. It's their studies that drew them and propelled them to keep going in this direction. So the day came where they looked and they say, Ah, the star. That thing is brighter than all the other stars. This must be the star that's going to lead us to Jesus. And when they looked, the star started moving. You know, you guys talk about shooting stars. People still talk about shooting stars. You guys, you know, when the star move and people used to make wishes. Oh, some people looking at me like, what's that? Who know about shooting stars? All right. Well, why are you looking at me like I was saying some kind of like, you know, I'm looking like a couple of people. Only a couple of people knew about shooting stars. And so this star didn't just shoot one time. This star started moving, and as they followed, the star was moving. So it didn't just move one time and you made a wish. It kept moving. So they followed this star because they were interested in meeting this Jesus, this king. They prepared to meet this Jesus. And so verse number three said, when Herod the king had heard these things, he was troubled and all Jerusalem with him. And so now Herod is troubled. Why? Because Herod at that time was the king. So if Herod is the king and there's a king being born, we've got a little bit of problem here. You know, there's so much in the Bible that's so amazing. The Bible says Jesus is the what? King of Jesus is the king of kings. And what that means is there are going to be kings, but he's going to be king over them too. So there's no king that will be over Jesus. He is the king of all kings. And so Herod was a king, but Jesus was going to be over Herod. And whoever was king at that time, and whoever is king now, and whoever is king when he come, Jesus will be king of those kings. And so Herod knows this dude that is supposed to be born king will become king over him so he would lose his authority. So it troubled him. Jerusalem was a little trouble, the people there, because it's like having a certain regime leading you and directing and then you heard that there's going to be a new king and you don't know all about this new king and so the 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 the, the, the way things will be will probably change. So everybody was a little troubled because they heard of the king that is being born. Can I tell you something about preparation? When you seek out God, some of the reasons why we get frustrated and, and stop seeking God is because we never prepare ourselves to seek out God. These wise men prepared themselves for years and years. They knew that once that star appeared, they were going to follow this star. So they prepared themselves to 
be ready to find that king that was being born, baby Jesus. The star that led them, God allowed all of that to happen. Listen to this. God will always provide for his purpose. God will always provide for his purpose. And when his purpose is being done, he will figure out a way to make sure you're taken care of or to make sure you will be able to fulfill his purpose. And so if you want God to always work in your midst, just begin to seek after his purpose. He, he, he wanted them to find him. He wanted them to know the king. He was being born. He wanted them to know Messiah had finally come. And how else would they really know? Well, he made sure there were prophecy before he was born that he would be born. And then when he was born, he gave them a star that would lead them straight to him. God will do something miraculous in your life to lead you where you need to be if you're Willing to follow him. If we really want to see the power of God operating, we must fulfill the purpose of God. People want to see God's power, but they don't want to fulfill God's purpose. And you can't see God's power without God's purpose being a part of what's going on. I want to see God's power. I want to see the things we read about in the Bible happen in our present time, in our life. But the only way we will ever experience those things is if we get involved with God's purpose. You want to see miracle signs and wonders? Get involved with God's purpose. We desire God's miracles and God's power, but we just want to just see it just to say, look at God. Amen. You know, we like, we like to say, look at God. Well, look at God do what? I want to say, look at God because I'm involved with something he's doing. I want to say, look at God because I'm involved in his purpose. And so should all of us in this place today. We should want to see God's power because we're involved with his purpose. Isn't that a powerful thing? That of all the stars in the sky, this one star just lit brighter than all the other stars. And then it started moving. And not just one time. I know they had to freak out a little bit. When they saw it and they knew, they said, could that be it? And then knowing God the way he is, he leads us. I'm sure that star moved. And they might have said, is that a shooting star? And, and look, well, let's move and see if it's a shooting star. And they moved and the star moved. And then they moved. They looked at each other like, yo, this is it. This is it. And they started following. And they were like, all right, let's get our stuff together because this is it. That thing we've been studying for years and years, it finally has come. And look at what we got here. That star is in the sky and it's leading us to the Messiah, the baby that is born king. We're going to help us, Jesus. We're going to have that same thing happen in a little bit. Or in a lot of bit. I don't know what that means. But, but what I, what, what I know is just from that, 
I've got Noah. And I've got that. I got some more things, but let me just stick with Noah and that. Remember Noah? He was building this ark and saying it was going to rain. Nobody believed it. Yeah, yeah. And even when they kind of believed it, they still didn't do anything about it. No preparation. And so, when it started raining, oh God, help us today. Only the family that was prepared was Only the ones, just imagine all those millions of people in the world at that time. And Noah is preaching and building this ark, this ark, and said it's going to rain. But it never rained before, and he's preaching it's going to rain. And after a while, people might have thought about it. But when it didn't rain after a few days, they were like, ah, whatever. And they went back doing whatever they wanted. And finally, it started raining. And they thought they could have slipped up in it without getting left out. They didn't because they weren't prepared. We always think we can slip through. We always think we can barely wait till last minute and uh, slip right in and make it. But I'm here to tell you that is not the way the kingdom of God works. We can't wait till last minute to try to do something. We have to get involved. We have to prepare ourselves to say, God, I believe you and I'm going to make sure I'm prepared to get in. Uh-huh. Same thing with the star. For years, they're probably sitting there thinking, what's wrong with these crazy guys? Because I'm sure it passed on a generation and generation. So I'm sure this generation started, yeah, the Messiah is going to be born. The king is going to be born. And he get, got old and get ready to die and says, man, I didn't see the Messiah. But, you know, he taught other people about the Messiah and showed them scripture about the Messiah. So he died, and then the next one picked it up. Yeah, yeah. And so there's generations upon generations that's looking for the star and never saw it. And finally it appeared. The Bible says Jesus in his second coming will appear in the sky. We just don't know when. But the only way we will make sure we will be ready is to prepare. Amen. Prepare to meet Jesus. Tell your neighbor, prepare to meet Jesus. Verse 4. Let's look at verse 4. And when he had gathered all the chief priests and scribes of the people together, he demanded of them where Christ should be born. So this is Herod the king. Tell me where Christ should be born. He was asking all his people that was supposed to be intelligent and smart, Tell me where Christ should be born. All because he's worried about his position. We start worrying about our position. We don't care about the situation. We just want to figure out how to keep our position. Mm -hmm. When you're not on board with Jesus, you worry about how to work things out on your own. Yeah, yeah. When, when, when we're not fully committed to Jesus, we work everything out on our own. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Rosie is a good example. Rosie been through a situation recently that I'm like, that's it. How about we do this sometimes? We test Jesus because he like to be tested. How about we test Jesus and says, if that's you, you prove it's you. As opposed to trying to make the way and say, well, I believe this is Jesus. 
Because that's what we do. We do things and say, I think this is the Lord. And before you know it, we stop thinking and say, well, this is the Lord. And, and, and that's our way of keep doing what we wanted to do. We just, we just start taking a step out there and start feeling, that, you know, yeah, this could be the Lord. And we start going, yeah, this could be the Lord. And before you know it, we're way out there. And because we are so far out there and Jesus may not put us out there, we start saying, well, it's the Lord. Put him to the test. Rosie didn't want to go to Tennessee. I don't know if she ever really ever said that to her husband, but now I'm blowing the spot up. Rosie never really wanted to go to Tennessee, but her husband always wanted to go to Tennessee. And the Lord stepped in that situation and showed Rosie, yeah, you're supposed to go to Tennessee. Oh, he showed her. My point of bringing that up is that if it's the will of God, he will show you it's him. But you got to tell him, Lord, you got to show me. You, you gotta be stubborn with God like that sometime because guess what? You're trying to make sure it's Him. He doesn't have a problem with that. So if you're, if, if you're questioning something and you're not sure about something, say, God, I'm not moving till you show me it's you. Don't do it the way you've been doing it. The way you've been doing it is, well, I think this is what God wants. And you just start doing what you want. And when it gets messy, you start saying, well, hold on. Maybe this wasn't what God wants. Yeah, but it's messy now. Now you need Him to come clean up. And now, on top of that, you're going to lose something in the process of that. Uh-huh. So, so I'd rather be slow and sure than fast and wrong. Verse 5, and they said unto him in Bethlehem of Judea, for this, for thus it is written by the prophet, and thou, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, art not the least among the princes of Judah, for out of thee shall come a governor that shall rule my people Israel. Can I tell you this? This is a text, in case you didn't know, this is one of the prophecies that prophesy that Jesus was going to be born. So, in Micah chapter 5, verse 2, the prophet say, Micah, the prophet Micah prophesied that Jesus was going to come out of Bethlehem. So that was a prophecy. So what I'm trying to tell you is these scholars and these non-Christians, they read the book. They read the word of God to know what was going to happen. What's wrong with us? Non-Christians are reading our book to know what will happen. And it sure will happen because it's the word of God. What are we doing are we reading the word of god you know one of the most amazing thing is this think about this the bible says jesus was born king no king is born king (laughs) no king is born king you become a king but you are not born a king can i slip this in real quick Now you know a little bit now why the Bible says we must be born. Because born again is the only way you can become royal. The Bible says when we're born again that we're royal priesthood. We're a peculiar people. We're a holy nation. The only way we can become royalty is to be born again of the water and of the spirit. Don't question that part of the Bible. 
Jesus was born king. And if we're going to be born unto the Lord, we have to be born again because we were born a natural birth. But in order to be a spiritual royalty, we must be born spiritually, which means water and spirit. Jesus was born king. I love that. Like, dude, who was born king? Me. Verse 7. Then Herod, when he had privily called the wise men, inquired of them diligently what time the star had appeared. He was so nervous. He said, what time? What time was the star, the star in the sky? What time was that? I need to know exactly. Because he's trying to calculate when the baby was born. Because you know what Herod did, right? Herod made a decree that all babies within two years old should, should die. So I didn't, I didn't, in, 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 in Luke, Chapter two, the story of Jesus' birth is more extensive. I didn't, if, if we would have went that route, we would have been here till two o'clock. So I gave you the route where we can get done quickly. But but in Luke, it talked about that about he sent out a decree because once he realized the timeline of when the star appeared, it meant he understood how long the baby had been born. And so he sent out a decree to say, you know what, let's kill all the babies between um, birth and two years old, and that should kill the Messiah in, 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 at, at that time. It, it should take care of the Messiah thing, and I won't have to worry about that Messiah being born king. That happened back in Moses' days. Remember that? The Bible says there was born a deliverer unto the Israelites, Moses, and they sent out a decree say, kill all the babies. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Yeah, we're always trying to kill what we can't kill because it threatens us. And so, verse number 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem. Is that where I am? Yes. Uh-huh. And he sent them to Bethlehem and said unto them, and said, Go and search diligently for the young child, and when... Ye have found him, bring me word again that I may come and worship him also. Be careful when people try to get information out of you. They try to make it look like they're trying to get information for the right reasons, but their, 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 their reason behind it is not good. Listen to me. When you get people in your life that are trustworthy, people that you know are, 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 are God-fearing people that love God and want to do the right things, trust them. But people that are not God-fearing and today they're good, tomorrow they're not, just deal with them accordingly. <laughs> I'm just telling you the truth. Because when you don't have God in your life, can I tell you this? When you don't have God in your life, you got agendas and motives. Uh, that's just the way it is. When God is not the center of your life, governing, governing. I, I chose that word specifically. If God is not the center of your life, governing your life, you will begin to worry about things and you will have motives and you will try to protect against this and protect against that. You will always have something going on in your life, trying to protect and guard against this and that. You'll always have that going on if God is not in the center. When God is the center, you just say, hey, whatever they're going to try to do, let them do it. 
Whatever the devil going to try to do, let him try it. Whatever the person that don't like me going to try to do, let him go ahead and do it. Because I know God is good and God is my protector and God is my shield and my defender. So whatever bad habits or whatever bad thoughts or whatever bad thing anyone have against you, if you will just trust God and let God be the center of your life, don't even worry about it. Don't even worry about it. God won't let nobody touch you if that's not what his will is for your life. He won't. You don't have to worry about a thing. People, 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 you don't have to worry about nobody coming at you when you have, when you, when you totally submit to God. You don't have to worry about anything at all. And so they went searching for the young child. But check this out. When they had heard the, the king, they departed, and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Man, you don't understand. These wise men were traveling thousands of miles. It, it wasn't a one-day trip. I mean, it was a long journey. And now in 2017, we want to come to church do something that will make us save right away. And we good. We want to come to church and we want revelation right away. We want to come to church and we know the Bible just like that. You, you have heard me say this and I continue to say this. Our world is changing and people are changing, but God is not changing. <laughs> you know, our world is changing. People are changing, but God is the same. And guess what? God bake his stuff. He don't microwave his stuff. We're trying to microwave God and microwave the things of God. And God is like, I'm a baker. I've always baked and I'm going to continue to bake. I make it from scratch and I do it slow. I make sure it's done right. And there's no changing that. So if the world is changing, let it change. If you want to change, you go ahead. But my principles will always be the same. It won't change. So you come to church today, you can be a scientist, messing with Brother Wood, you can, be, you can be a doctor, you can be a nurse, I don't care, you can be a great educator, whatever you are, when you come to this place called the kingdom of God, you start at zero with nothing going on. You're not smarter than anybody else, you won't get it quicker than anybody else, you have to go the same way everybody go. But somehow, somehow... Because we've been in this world for so long, we think our credentials is going to make us get to the front of the line. Come on, man. I'm smart. Y'all, go ahead. I know you've been going to church for three or four years, but I've got credentials. I'm smart. Put me right at the front of the line. Okay, go to the front of the line. Go ahead. Go ahead. Watch, watch. You just, what they say, crash and burn. You won't crash and burn because God make He does it the same way every time with everybody. Nobody gets to do something different. Can I tell you a little secret about God? God loves every one of us the same, but treats us differently. That that's it sound a little not like God. Depending on your submission and your obedience is how God's going to treat you. But he loved, he don't love me any more than he loved you. He loves us because we're all his. But what it come down to is, can I trust you? 
What it come down to is when I need you, where are you? But he loves us all the same. God don't change. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. He created us and he loves us. His desire is for all of us to be saved. That's why he came out of holy heaven. By the way, for some of you, some, most of you know me enough, long enough to know that I got to always slip this in. Baby Jesus was not the second person in the Trinity. Baby Jesus was not the second person in the Trinity. Baby Jesus is the almighty God that was invisible who became visible as God and his name was Jesus. So Jesus is the almighty God that sits on the throne visible. Remember the Bible says no man had ever seen God. Okay. The Bible really means that. You can't see God because God is a spirit. And so God knew you couldn't see him because he's a spirit. So how else were you going to see him? Anybody got an answer? You know, you just weren't going to see him. So he said, all right, I'm going to become visible so you can see me. As a matter of fact, I don't have a choice but to become visible because I'm the only perfect one that exists. And the only one that can redeem sinful people is the one that committed no sin. So God was the only one perfect. So that's why he became the man. Well, the baby. The baby. He came. He became the baby Jesus. And he grew into a young man, a boy, and grew into a young man. And be, then he became a man. And all while he was doing that, he was still the almighty God. But because he's so, so, he's so good that he had to take the role on that he was operating in at the times he's operating in those roles. So if he's a baby, he's a baby. So he had to operate as a baby. Yeah, feed me. That had to go on. So he's good like that. But at the same time, the world was still in total control. He still had everything under control. All right, let me move on. Verse 9. When they had heard the king, they departed and lo, the star which they saw in the east went before them till it came and stood over where the young child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced with exceeding great joy. I wonder why they, re- they, 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 they rejoice with exceeding great joy. Why? Any, anybody know why? I think it's a couple of things. One of the things I think is, man, finally we got here. <laughs> you ride on the camel for thousands of miles and, and be hungry and be thirsty going across deserts. Where is this thing? Where is he at? When you get, when the stars stop, oh Lord, yes, we finally got here. So I believe they were excited because they finally completed their journey. But also now, I'm getting ready to really see that baby. All what we have heard, all what we've read is finally about to manifest right before our very eyes. This is amazing. And so they're excited. Like, wow. Yes. They're excited. The Bible says, enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts 
with praise. This Bible is so connected the right way. It's mind-blowing. When they got to the place, just say the house, the manger, wherever you want to call it, the hotel, whatever you want to call it. Just say when they got there, they were outside because the stars stopped. They rejoiced. How is that? How does God allow his word to sync up so good where the, 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 the part that says enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with prayer? That was Old Testament. But here we are in the New Testament and, and it's still the same thing. When you're getting ready to get into God's presence, that should make you excited. When you're getting ready to get into the presence of God, when you're getting ready to meet Jesus, when you're getting ready to be in a place of worship and praise, you can't just get out the car moody. You can't just come up in here all mad and all messed up. You gotta say, I'm getting ready to get into the presence of the Almighty God, the King of Kings, the Messiah. Messiah, my healer, my deliverer, my salvation, uh, the source of my strength, uh, my provider, my deliverer. I'm getting ready to worship him. I'm getting ready to praise him. And I'm excited. We should be excited every time we get ready to set foot in the house of the Lord. Because that's where Jesus will meet us and reveal to us what he wants. We leave the church services many times empty because we never prepared to come and give Him worship. We never prepared to come and praise Him and love Him. And therefore, we came in dry and left dry. But we gotta take the Word of God literally and enter His gates with thanksgiving and enter His courts with praise. Somebody clap their hands unto the Lord and let out their voice and say, Jesus, I praise you. Jesus, I praise you. Oh, hallelujah. Blessed be the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We got to come to church prepared. Not making sure our hair is done. Not making sure we look nice in our clothes. That's all good and fine. That's well. Do that too. But we need to prepare our heart. We need to prepare our spirit. We need to prepare ourselves to meet Jesus. We need to prepare to meet Him. Listen, in the natural, even here in the United States of America, when people go to visit the White House, how do they look when they get there? If you go over into other countries, you can't go meet the king looking any kind of way. So if in the natural we're preparing to meet human beings just like yourself, with flaws like yourself. If we're preparing to meet them a certain way, how must we prepare ourselves to meet Jesus? We have to prepare ourselves to meet Jesus. I believe we will see signs and wonders and miracles more frequently in our church services if we come in in preparation or prepare ourselves before we get here to meet Jesus. If some days we pull in the parking lot and begin to pray in our car for five minutes just saying, God, I've been stressed out all week. I'm challenged all week. I even messed up sometimes this week. But today... 
I'm going into your house and I'm going to praise you. I'm going to give you thanks. I'm going to honor you. Will you cleanse me of my sins? Will you perish me of all unrighteousness? For God, I'm going in to exalt your name and to praise you and to honor you. Have your way in me right now, Jesus. Right there in the car seat, just do it. Right there in the parking lot, just do it. Right there walking to the building, just do it. We need to prepare to meet Jesus. We're missing out on what God has in store for us because we're not prepared. Coming to church don't mean you're prepared. Walking in the building don't mean you're prepared. Having your clothes together don't mean you're prepared. Having the pocketbook that match don't mean you're prepared. Oh, God, somebody help me this morning. We're prepared when our heart is prepared. We're prepared when our mind is prepared. We're prepared when our, our willingness to give Him praise is right there. we got to prepare ourselves when we come. And I believe when we leave, it will not be the same because God would have met us. we got to walk in. Ready. We got to walk in and saying, I'm going in because something is going to happen. Uh, we have confidence for a lot of things in our life, but we don't have confidence for what we can do as a child of God. you got to come in here some days and say, because I'm here and I'm getting ready to worship, because I'm here and I'm getting ready to pray some prayers, something is about to happen in my family. Because I'm here and I'm getting ready to give God the glory and the honor, something is getting ready to happen. For somebody here today, you need to say, God, I want my children to be saved. I want them to love you. And because I came in here today, ready to give you the praise, ready to call those things that are not as though they were, my children will be saved, my family will be saved, I will receive a breakthrough, and I will not be moved by the things of this world. We got to come in. God will be with you. God will work with you when you come in with a heart for God. When you come in prepared, God is right there with you. God is looking for people that are hungry. God is looking for people that are thirsty. God is looking for people that's going to say, God, I'm with you. God is looking for people that will commit their ways unto Him. Let me finish up here. Let me finish up here. I'm almost done here. Check this out. Verse 11 is the key verse. And when they were come into the house, remember they were outside the house. The stars stopped. They was outside the house. They, they, they gave praise and thanksgiving outside the house. Uh-huh. 
That, that's what it's talking about. If you want to go back and look at the tabernacle plan, we talked about that. The, 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 the sacrifice, the repentance, the, the praise, the worship goes on outside of the actual tabernacle. It goes on in the courtyard. So praise and thanksgiving should start outside of the building. We think we come in the building to praise. No, when we get here, we should already be involved. We should already be jumping. We should already be shouting. We should already be worshiping when we are outside, not when we get here. When we get here, we're supposed to be in high gear. That's, that's, where, that's where we're challenged. That's what's going on. We don't get warmed up outside. We come in here and hope the people that start in prayer, hope they can get us going. I, I, remember, I remember I used to do that. I don't know if I did that. Well, I did it for myself and for the people where I would start prayer. And I told you I used to pray. And, and, and many times I start praying. I just want to pray for, you know, five or seven minutes just, just to set the atmosphere. But when I feel like people just weren't moving, when I felt like people was just, uh, I'm just here today because I'm supposed to be here. When I felt that in the atmosphere, I would pray for about 20 minutes. Half hour would go by and I'm still sweating, praying. And they're like, what is wrong with him? He ain't the preacher. Why is he going off like that? Well, you know, I was going off like that. I needed the atmosphere to be right. Right. And you weren't praying in the parking lot. So we had to pray double inside the church building. And that's what we do. We waste more time inside of the building than we need to because we didn't get right outside. So when we come in and we read some scripture, you hope something mess with you a little bit scripture wise. When we come in and, and, and Brother Scarlett pray, he might have had a hard night. He might have been up because he couldn't sleep, didn't feel good, and he can't pray like he normally pray. And you're just not moving because guess what? He just couldn't get it right that day. Amen. And so now the whole time you here is not working out because, because preparation were not made. And that preparation had nothing to do with the people at the church. That preparation had nothing to do with my preaching. Had nothing to do with his praying. That preparation. Listen, you gotta you gotta believe this for yourself and know it. You know I'm just straightforward as possible. Check this out. You gotta know that some days the preacher ain't on his game. If you come into the church every day and think, man, that that preacher he always on fire. Don't lie to yourself. You're lying to yourself. He or she is human just like you. You got to know some days it's your responsibility to set this house on fire. You got to know some days it's your responsibility to come and say, I'm going to light that place on fire. I'm going to be the one to pray. I'm going to be the one to worship and praise God. I'm going to make sure the power of God is moving. I'm going to make sure of that. Yeah, 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 yeah. You can't come in. That's not preparation when you come and say something got to be done for me. You're not prepared. You're not prepared. Preparing to meet Jesus means I prepare myself to get there. And when I get out, when I leave out that, when you leave out the door, if you was prepared, you're going to leave out on fire. My God. Yes, sir. Something happened today. But if you don't prepare yourself, you're going to leave and says. That wasn't a bad word. Uh huh. Yeah, that's what we like. That it wasn't bad. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's that's what we do. That wasn't a bad word. I don't know about you. I, I, I appreciate the word, but I come for Jesus. I, I appreciate whoever's preaching, but but man, I I, I, I want to connect with Jesus. 
I want to I want to sit at his feet like Mary. I want I want to feel his touch. I want I want to have some kind of interaction with the almighty God. And when they were come into the house, they came from outside. The star stopped. Now it's time to come in. And when they had came into the house, they saw the young child with Mary, his mother, and fell down and worship him. And when they had opened their treasures, they presented him with gifts, gold, frankincense, myrrh. Finally, the travelers got to where they needed to get to. Finally, what they set out to do, what they had purpose in their heart to do, what they had prepared within themselves to do, they finally got there. What did they started out, started out on that journey to do? Uh-huh. Yes. Two things. They wanted to find him and then do what? Worship him. They wanted to find Jesus and they wanted to worship Jesus. They got there. They found him. And now it's time to worship him. We sing a lot of songs about what we will do that we never do. I've always said, I've always said, there was a thing in our church back in the day. It was understood among all the members, most of the members, when they were testimony service. And somebody stood up and says, Pastor, I ain't never going nowhere. I love you, Pastor. (laughs) Y'all laughing because y'all know what that, that was cold talk. And all we do is cringe. They getting ready to be gone in a couple weeks. Soon as you start saying what you're not going to do, you know what that really means? You were struggling with it and you had to say it out loud and hopefully you believe it. But it was already something in your heart and before you know, boom, you're not around anymore. Because we do a lot of talking about what we will do or not do and we don't put a lot of action in. I always said, and I said this then, and I'm still saying it now. I never really went out there and said, Pastor, you know I love you. All I did was, man of God, I'm there for you. And all he know is, I call that joker anytime I want, and he on the spot. That's what my love to you is. I'm going to be there for you. I'm not using a whole lot of lip service. And when it comes down to Jesus, yeah, I'm going to tell him how good he is. Yeah, I'm going to tell him I love him. But I'm going to make sure I'm right at his feet saying, Jesus, you are my God. I worship you and I adore you. I'm not just giving you lip service. I'm not just saying stuff and singing stuff, but I'm right there for you, Jesus. Who's going to be there for Jesus? Who is going to make sure they stop talking about it and be about it? The wise men weren't Christians, but they didn't just talk about it. They looked for the Messiah. They looked for the King. And when they found Him finally, they did what they said they was going to do. And they weren't Christians. They were astrologers. They were educators. If you ever encounter Jesus, His presence will cause you to bow down and worship Him. And I believe that we don't encounter Jesus as much as we need to encounter Jesus because everybody come. Oh, church, 
2018 is coming. And I'm telling you, God is ready to do miraculous things. But it still comes back to the same old, same old. What are you going to do? If right now I take out of my pocket any kind of money. If I take this $10 out, watch this real quick. Anybody want this $10? That's why you didn't get it. Because you just put your hand up. That's what we're doing in church. That's what we're losing out on. We keep talking. We keep making signals. But nobody is responding. Nobody is going. Nobody is doing what it takes to meet Jesus. We keep sitting back. Oh, yeah. Go ahead, preach it. Uh-huh, I understand. And you walk out with your educated, sophisticated self. That made sense. That was good, preacher. Uh-huh. But nothing changed in your life because you never went to Jesus. You never did what you were supposed to do. You just went and you took it all in in your ear, but you never did. Worshiping Jesus is the primary responsibility of a Christian. Worship is the homage of the heart. The reverential submission of the whole being. Adoration full of wonder and awe. Full of grateful love. Worship is the occupation of heaven. They rest not day nor night. All they say is holy, holy, holy. The Lord God Almighty. Which was, which is, and which is to come. We must learn to worship here in earth. If we don't worship here in earth, we will never get to heaven. Because the occupation in heaven is worshiping Jesus. Holy, holy, holy. The Lord God. Almighty, will we worship Him now? Will we praise Him now? So when we get to heaven, it will just be who we are, worshipers. We are worshipers. Worship includes prayer, but it is not It is more than prayer. It does not consist simply of asking for what we want and what we need God to supply our wants. It is unselfish. It is bringing glory to God. We who are learning in the true sense of worship, we should know that it entails just giving God everything about you. Whoever you worship, will empowers you. Whatever you worship empowers you. You don't know why artists, singers, actors, all of these people, you don't know why they're good at what they do? What they do and what they are doing is worship. It's not God Almighty that they're worshiping, but what they're involved in, it's everything to them. And they submit so much to it that as they begin to get involved with their craft, whether it's acting or singing or dancing, whatever it is, that craft, that thing begins to empower them. And so whatever you worship empowers you. Whatever you worship consumes you. Whatever you worship gives you energy. I tell people, the legend became the legend because smoking ganja, singing, and dancing was his God. And that thing propelled him 
to be called the legend. It wasn't coincident why Bob Marley was the, probably the most well, one of the most well-known singers of all time. He worshipped his music. He worshipped what he was doing. And because he worshipped it, it empowered him. When he got on stage and he performed, he was performing because he was empowered by what he was involved in. I remember when I was in the world, in the clubs, I remember being at those dance halls, the DJs and all the selectors, all of them were empowered. There was a, there was a spirit in the environment that you felt like, man, I can dance like this. I can sing like this. I can perform like this. There was a spirit in that atmosphere that moved you to do what you did. You ever watch them people when they stood and the lyrics just started coming to their mind and they started spitting out lyrics and start spitting out lyrics and start singing a certain way. You know why? That environment empowered them because they bowed down to that environment. Now think about environment and think about people and think about spirits that's not of God and think about Jesus, the almighty God. You want to worship him? And if you worship that king, if you worship Jesus, he will empower you. He will enable you to go beyond your abilities like those people in Hollywood like those people everywhere they go beyond their ability because they're worshiping will we worship God and go beyond our capabilities where we worship God and allow ourselves to be propelled to a new dimension where we worship God and begin to feel strength and energy where we worship God where we're no longer struggling because God has empowered us and moved us we gotta worship Him this is what Christmas is all about. Worshiping the King of Kings. Worshiping the Lord of Lords. Worshiping the Messiah. That's what this is all about. That's what it's all about. That's what it's all about. They worship Him. And they brought Him gifts. Part of their worship was giving. When you're worshiping, you give. There's no taking. You give. And one of the things you notice about these men, these wise men, they gave gifts. Do you know your gift says something about who you are? Oh, yeah. Your gifts say something about who you are. All of these gifts that Jesus received had meaning. The goal that he received, gold is what you give to royalty, to a king. That's who you give gold. Frankincense is what you give to deity. And then the myrrh is what you give to royalty that died and needs to be embalmed. Those people are not playing games. They came with purpose because they were prepared. They came to give something that was meaningful to who they were giving it to. Oh, got quiet on me. I'm done. I'm done. I'm done. Trust me. I'm done. I'm on verse 11 and we finish in verse 12. So I'm done, right? You have to give gifts to Jesus that's meaningful to him. That's the, that's the example that they gave us. They gave the baby Jesus gold. They gave him frankincense and myrrh. And so 
they gave him things that would mean something to him. Mean something to him. So now it's our turn to give to Jesus something that means something to him. What do you have that means something to Jesus? You got some gold? <laughs> got some frankincense? Got some myrrh? I don't think we have that, so we can't give him that. Yes. You have to give royalty what's royalty. Jesus is royalty. And the only thing you possess that can be royalty is yourself. That's all you have to give to Jesus that means something to him. Your money don't mean anything to him. No. You don't have anything to give to Jesus. Nothing. You can search high and low. You don't have anything to give to him that's meaningful to him except for you. That's what he would have you to give to him. And that's what would mean something. Will you stand? What are you going to give to Jesus? Are you going to still talk about what you're going to do, but never do what you're going to do? I don't know. Maybe I should have made this a little bit more pretty. I don't know how to do that. I don't know how to be pretty when it comes down to the word of God and preaching God's word. I don't know how to be pretty. I leave that. To, that's why I bring preachers in here so they can be pretty for you. When, I get, when you guys get guest preacher, they preach pretty. I don't preach pretty. I, I, I'm intense. I don't know. That's how God made me, and that's how I'm going to be un, unless he tells me to change. But what are you going to give to Jesus today? The final thing we see in verse 12, and being warned of God. These wise men again, they're not Christians. But they were warned of God. Why? John, I don't know if you can, if you can do this, um, Patrice. John chapter 9, verse 31. See if you can do that. Let me see how good you are. She can do it. Josie said you can do it. Huh. Now, we know that God hear it, not sinners. But if any man, this just came in my head, be a worshiper of God and doeth his will, him he heareth. So watch this. These men weren't saved. Man, Jesus, you are some, something else. These men weren't saved, but they did the will of God. And then they worship. They weren't saved, though. But because they obeyed that, he spoke to them. My Lord. And being warned of God in a dream that they should not return to Herod, they departed into their own country another way. When you have an experience with Jesus and you worship him, he will change your direction. Your change that you need in your life will come from you worshiping Jesus.
If you don't worship him, you will keep going in the same direction. And you will want to change and you will want to do different and you will want to do right and you will want to say, I got to be better at this. And it will just be talk. You will go in the same direction. But if you will stop and says, God, and you will bow down and worship him, you will see that when you get done worshiping, your direction will change. And all that you are struggling with will no longer be a struggle because here is why we struggle. We're going against the tide. And when you worship God, you go with the tide. Bow your heads. Father, we love you. You love us so much, God. Everywhere in the scripture, I see, I see your love. You're always doing what's necessary for us, Lord God. What a wonderful God you are. No wonder the Bible says you are wonderful. You are Mr. Wonderful. And God, we're so today in awe of you. Ah, Oh, somebody, can you just take a couple moments, push yourself? Can you just push yourself for a couple moments to just worship him? Can, can you just allow yourself to just get away from you just for a moment before you get out of here so you can change direction, so the stress can come off of you, so you can go in the right direction, so you can do what you need to do? Can somebody just Take a couple moments and just worship God for who he is. Just say, God, I don't want nothing from you. I just want to be consumed by you. I just want to be overshadowed by you. You overshadowed Mary by your power. Will you do that for me? Will you do that for us? That God, the direction that we were going in. Because the devil has set a trap for us. The devil wants to destroy us. The devil wants us to be oh his captives but God we worship you the king of kings because you are the king you are him that was born king you are the messiah and God we are in awe of you we love you so much we thank you for loving us we bow down before you we give our soul to you we give our heart to you we give our mind to you Oh, great is the Lord, and greatly to be praised, Jesus of Nazareth. What a wonder you are. Jesus, we thank you for coming to this earth and being Savior of all mankind. Oh, we are so indebted to you. Oh, we are so, so thankful for you and all that you have done, Jesus, today. Lord God, consume us, overshadow us. Oh God, I pray that the power of the Holy Ghost will shed love abroad in our hearts. And God, as we go about our ways today, we want the power of God and the love of God to emanate from us. Lord, touch us in such a special way that whoever we go around, whoever we encounter, they will feel the love of God. They will experience the love of God where God we can touch their life and that they will know love there are people today that are hurting there are people today that are just not happy
happy with the holiday season. There are people, Lord God, that are struggling. There are people that have lost loved ones. But God, if you can bring us around them to be a blessing, to be, oh God, one that will touch their life and make things all right and make things better, Lord God. I pray today in the name of Jesus that the Spirit of the Lord will move mightily and powerfully upon us and in us that, Lord, we will stand out today wherever we go, tomorrow wherever we go, 